Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm doing fairly well. Uh, it's a little bit rainy here, but the weather is not hot anymore, so that makes it more enjoyable. How about you? Doing well. The weather has been rainy here as well, so and I think we're going to get some rain on Halloween actually as well. So, uh, yeah, so which might not be as fun for a lot of kids in this area. So, yes, that's true. I, I haven't looked at the forecast for Thursday, but we're expecting some more rain at least tomorrow. So, we shall see. You know, um, the uh, place where we often get toys for our kids, uh, uh, it's uh, this time of year, it's uh, surrounded by uh, the Halloween outfits and all this Halloween decor. So you kind of can't uh, divide between the toy area and the Halloween area this time of year. Uh, but uh, for our kids, we have some birthdays around here. So we have to kind of go and navigate the toy, toy aisles this time of year. And where do you get toys at for your family? Um from the grandparents <laughs> okay <laughs> we, I mean, we really have have not bought a whole lot of toys for our kids with regularity because we've been given so many things and grandparents and um so now we're at the point now we've given away some things and we've also well, let's do an experience gift this kind of thing so yeah um, well when you've been to stores how does the toy aisle look different from how it did you think when you grew up Whew. Maybe there's more volume. Uh, I don't know. I was actually in a toy section the other day looking for something for our children's ministry. Um, but I was not – I was looking for one specific item. So um, I don't know. What, what I mean, you, you frequent it more. So how does it look different to you? I guess so. Well, one thing that used to be done, especially at Target, the place we go sometimes, uh, is there used to be kind of a boys and girls area and uh, and somewhat designated by that. Uh, and in fact, actually, the, the boys area used to be kind of overly macho sometimes, even years ago. I was looking it up, and uh, one of the most popular uh, series of toys in the, 80, in the late 80s or early 90s were some action figures based upon some movies that would surprise you. Uh, there were Terminator 2 action figures sold the young children, uh, as well as uh, Rambo <laughs> action figures. And now I don't think that kind of stuff is sold to boys anymore, right? Probably not, but you know, there's the new Terminator movie, so it may make a comeback. <laughs> Maybe. Well, now I think we've kind of gone to the other extreme, uh, and now it's kind of all mixed in, and and uh, even SNL kind of commented on how we're doing uh, toys nowadays. There was a skit a few years ago called Wells for Boys, advertising a, uh, a, a new toy product for boys, and it was quite interesting. I didn't see that, so... So that kind of brings up the topic, really, of, uh, of raising up boys and whether or not there's any difference, whether or not we need to get a Rambo toys or whether or not we get, need to get them a well toy. Uh, and I think one of the perfect people to talk to about that, actually, we've been uh, blessed to be able to talk to today, Ron Rudd, uh, who's a friend of ours and repeat uh, guest on the podcast. Uh, and he's the men's ministry and family ministry pastor at Metropolitan Bible Church in Ottawa, Ontario, correct? That's correct. Okay, wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you on today. Thank you. 
It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Well, I we kind of wanted to start off, Ron, uh, and again, we're so glad to have you on this episode. Uh, we want to ask, how have you been since we last talked? And I want to hear if there's anything new with your ministry, perhaps even anything that might bless people from afar with your ministry. Okay. Um, a lot has happened in the last <laughs> 20 months. My ministry changed uh, 20 months ago from being involved in children's ministry specifically for 18 years as leading our, our kids' ministry in our church to men's ministry and family discipleship ministry. So there's been a big shift in my responsibilities and what I'm doing now. And that part has been um, a new road to, to walk on, as well as our family has been throwing a curveball. We've had some new challenges that we had not expected. But we've grown in our dependence more on the Lord, and it's gone deeper, both as a result of my job and as well as my family. So both of them have caused more seeking his face and his good pleasure. But when it comes to how can I encourage people out, you know, far, far and wide, I I think that might come through our, our time today as we talk, and we'll see where where that goes. I have some good resources I can recommend and encourage and hopefully that will help. Wonderful. Yeah, well, and Ron, thanks for your uh, humility just talking about that having to grow in your dependence on the Lord and um, even just mentioning um, as it connects to your family. And so I think that's encouragement to people um, just as they experience this various the difficulties of living in a fallen world themselves. Um so, Ron, how has your emphasis on men's ministry in particular impacted the your discipleship of your own sons as they were in the home? Well, that's a great question, Ben. My first response is that I started men's ministry here in the church when most of my sons have moved out. Um, I have been doing, as I think you're well aware of, I have 10 kids, six biologically and four adopted. Five of them are sons and five of them are daughters. Uh, my sons are my older of the the group, and all of my uh, biological sons have moved out of the home as of now. Um, so I would say, how has it affected my view today? One of the things is I try to stay very connected with my boys and making sure I'm still spending time with them, encouraging them, challenging them. And they're, thankfully, um, very well connected to my wife and I. And the sons that I have uh, seek our advice to things that they're going through as their parents, even though three of them are married and have nine of our grandkids now. So we are grateful to the Lord that they want to still be connected to mom and dad and that they're still seeking counsel with us. We have an, a monthly birthdays for our entire family and 24 of us get together at a time. Uh, when we have those birthdays and so we're still wanting to be uh, family connected and being able to speak into their lives Praise the Lord. okay that's good uh before i ask the next question by the way i have to say um so it was neat i was on facebook and i saw some po photos that you posted recently 
Uh, and um, this is the, uh, the you're the only or second uh, person to uh, be asked on twice on the podcast. And the other person is Chat Bettis. And uh, I saw a picture of you guys uh, getting to spend some time together, which was kind of cool. Uh, small world, you know, uh, in that way. So, so have you met Chap? We've talked to Chap on the podcast a couple times, yeah, and I met him in person as well. He's a winner. Yeah, he's, he's great. One of the resources that I'd be recommending later. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we really enjoy. I it. love him. Yeah, great stuff. So, anywho, so what are some of the differences you have observed between discipling boys and girls in the home? That's a great question, uh, Tony. I think one of the things that I see. Uh, the difference in discipling them um, is the way they respond to the information. Um, my my sons, for example, if if there is part of the discipling process, there's a discipline issue that has to take place. My sons seem to be able to take the discipline and get over it, and when it's all done, said and done. They're ready to move on, and, and Dad, you're still a good guy. Um, and there's not too much farther uh, to explore on that. With my daughters, it's a whole different level of emotion that has to take place. And the time involved is much longer. And in conversations that we have, my daughters will talk for an hour uh, about something. My sons will talk. It's okay. Fine. Good. And uh, <laughs> conversations are usually much shorter. And um, so when we're working on the area of discipling them, uh, we have to sort of pry the sons out more. And the daughters, we need to figure out how to ask questions that might be more specific so they can answer more clearly and not drag things out for the whole evening. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. So, Ron, how does what does this look like um, in each stage of life? Does it change um, with time? Yeah, I definitely changes with time, and definitely the, the type of conversations that we have will change with time. I would say the first thing I would say about stages of life uh, with our children is to make sure you love them at every stage, um, and you have time for them at every stage. And uh, don't buy into what our culture says about the terrible twos or uh, the whatever they want to say about our, our kids at different ages. We can enjoy them, I believe, at every stage and every age. And I would say enjoy your kids at every stage and age. Love them deeply. And uh, that will be helpful. For me, one of the best books that I read early in my parenting of my sons was Robert Lewis's book on Raising a Modern Day Knight. He talks about the stages and how to celebrate each stage with, you, with your sons as you move them into manhood. And one of the things that I did that I feel was a direct result from reading this particular book was to take my sons individually around their 13th birthday on a father-son trip anywhere in the U.S. or Canada that they would choose. And we'd go away for a week. And on that trip, we would talk with them about what it means to move from childhood into early manhood. We would talk about four areas that Lewis refers to in his book as the authentic man rejects passivity. Um, the authentic man accepts responsibility. An authentic man leads courageously. Um, an authentic man expects greater reward 
that is keeping his eyes on the better or the long-term reward reward from obeying God's word. And then we would talk about things like sex and pornography as well. Um, we just felt like it was a time that we would be able to talk about all subjects, but it was just dad and one son and being very intentional about giving instruction at that stage. We felt that, that at that time with my sons, that was a critical turning point and stage of, of life uh, we felt for them. I think it's probably a little earlier now um, with the way smartphones and internet accesses have happened. I think we need to start some of those talks probably a little earlier with our sons today. That's good. It's mm. good insight. What are, now I'm curious, what are some of the places that uh, your children decided to, to uh, go for that kind of thing? No, that's, that's great. Uh, we went to the Alamo, uh, San Antonio, Texas, with one, my third son. He is a big fan of um, San Antonio Spurs, so we took in a game down there as well. And uh, we went to see the Alamo because that was one of his history favorite spots. Uh, the second, my first son, we went to Washington, D.C. and uh, spent a week there um, in the middle of March. And they had the greatest snowstorm in like 50 years while we were there <laughs> wow. that we had to work through. But it sort of like cleared all the streets. So everything was empty when we were when we were there as a result. And uh, that was fun. Went to Anchorage. You guys are used to snow. Uh, that was before I had snow. <laughs> I lived in California when I took my oldest son to Washington. Oh. So we, I, we had no snow in California where I was from before. So, no, I wasn't used to snow yet. Okay. Um, we went to Anchorage, Alaska with my third son. Uh, my fourth son is into hockey and sports. We went to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto and then down to Ohio to some of the Amish country and see how they do and build uh, some wood furnishings because he's into wood woodworking like I am. And my fifth son went, we did full circle and that we, he went to Washington DC as my first son. So That's Washington DC twice and three other interesting and fun places to go. That sounds really special. So uh, now I do want to ask, uh, with this idea of uh, raising up men, do we ever assume cultural ideas of masculinity in the church over biblical ones, especially as we raise our kids? And can this be dangerous in raising up our future men? Uh, well, Tony, you know me well enough, I think, um, even though we've only had little times together. Uh, we can never allow cultural ideas of anything trump the biblical truths that God has given us. So God has called us as men to lead, protect, as husbands, as fathers. Our sons need to see us model this in the home and in the church. I think any time that we allow the culture to be the impact of what it should be like, we're going to see some long-term negative results in that. When I say we want to teach them how to lead, I think we need to teach them to lead with humility. The son needs to see us value our wife and others in the church. It does not mean that we know it all um, as a dad. Uh, this past week, you mentioned Chap Bettis earlier. I was speaking with him. 
he wrote the book, as you're well well aware of, Disciple Making Parent. Um, and that's one of my top three books of all time now on parenting. He would say we need to remain aggressively teachable. Uh, I think our sons need to see that attitude in us as dads. And I think in our culture, it's an attitude of I know it all and I can take care of myself. Or it's a very passive um, media looking dad that doesn't seem to know what's going on at any time. So I, I think that we can't ever assume the cultural identity identity of uh, masculinity over biblical ones. So you're telling me we shouldn't be raising up in the 1980s Rambos and in 2019 Star Lords, I guess? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the superheroes of right now, they're, they're huge in our in our grandkids' world, I think, and I see it in my kids' lives of, you know, wanting to see the superhero movies that keep coming out. And no, I think that there's a lot of danger uh, that we see um, aggressive behavior that takes place within our boys, especially when they have been exposed to some of these movies, uh, that it causes them to become... I think more aggressive in their behavior um, and not aggressive in um, being controlled. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. So Ron, what are some of the unique challenges today of raising men in a world where masculinity does not seem to be welcome? It's often considered almost a bad word. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, we have, and, and for some, there's there's good reason for some of that having a bad, it's a bad word in our society. I mean, there are some things that men have done that has damaged men as a whole. And so um, one of the unique challenges, I believe, is raising our, our young men to be able to stand firm in what they believe and know why they believe what they believe. Uh, they need to be able to know what a real man is, not what the culture has said. And then they need to stand and demonstrate that to the world that's around them. Um, they need to, as I mentioned earlier in, in Lewis's material, reject passivity. Um, they need to be able to understand that real men don't do that. Real men are men that will uh, stand for that which is right and be courageous in that. So when we see some of the abuses that women have gone through at the hands of men, a real man would stand up against that. Um, when it comes to sex trafficking and things along those lines, real men would stand up against that. Um, they wouldn't uh, say this is acceptable in any form or fashion. And so there would be a, a sense of men standing firm on truth and things that are right. And I think that could change the perspective of what a real man is. But I don't think our culture understands what a real man are anymore. Mm, true. We agree with that, I think. Um, you know, with that brought up, uh, to kind of look at somewhat the flip side, so you use a term. You mentioned that men need to reject passi uh, passivity, and I think some in our culture would look at that and say, "Oh, uh, you're advocating." 
toxic masculinity, quote unquote, and we would disagree with them on that. But do you think masculinity can ever be in any sense toxic? Yes, if we follow what the world's way is, it can be very toxic. Um, or uh, if we hold on to a view that some, I would say, within the church are guilty of doing, and that is leading with an iron hand and everybody better mm -hmm. jump when I jump and, and very authoritarian in their direction. I don't believe that that's how Jesus led or what the Bible talks about in, in leadership at all. And so I think that there, there's both a, the negative from the world stand, it can be very toxic, and it can be very toxic in the church mm -hmm. if the perspective is that men are to lord over everybody under them. I don't think that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to lead, but we're not called to lord over. And so if we're lording over our wives, our children, uh, those who are, we're in authority over, um, I think it can be very toxic. Yeah, I think that's sad. And, and I think, unfortunately, I think all three of us would prescribe to uh, some form of complementarianism, which is to say, you know, we affirm that men are the head of the household and that yeah. men are those who are given to preach and pastor. Uh, but I, I think, sadly, some have used uh, the label of complementarianism to excuse that kind of toxic masculinity, to excuse even s avert sexism. Mm -hmm. so. I would agree. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm grabbing a book off my shelf real quick. You're fine. Rob Renault, uh, Visionary Parenting. Um, have you used any of his materials? I've heard of him, uh, but no, I have not. Neither have familiar I. familiar with his stuff. Um Visionary Parenting is a great website and has some excellent, excellent materials in it. And he talks about a father's mission, and the vision for biblical fatherhood in his book. And one of the things he talks about, and I think is very helpful in this area, is that we are created equal with our wives or the female counterparts, but yet we're created differently. And so we're created equal under God in value, worth, and dignity. And that's taught throughout the scriptures. But God has also created us to lead and to be the one who is being going up for in the marriage and protecting. And I think you could use a little example as um, an understanding of this. I think of how God has created us, male and female, and there are differences between us. In that if you talk to the average couple, and I would say the majority of couples, and said if you're lying in bed together at night and uh, you hear someone breaking through a window in your child's room, who's the first one up to go take care of the intruder of the house? Who's going to carry that baseball bat after him, the husband or the wife? And in most cases, the wife will say he is, you know, that's his job. <laughs> yeah. And um and I think that just is a natural instinct, but that's because that's how God created us. He created us to take that kind of protective spirit into our marriages, into our home. So just an example, I think, of what we're talking about. So I... Okay, so Ron, we've established that there can be some troubling abuses of masculinity and where even can turn toxic like the culture talks about. But how can parents best raise boys into men who can use that masculinity for good rather than for harm? Man, I think that's a, 
a critical question for every parent to be working working through. I think they first need to understand what are we aiming for? What is the target that we want our sons to look like? And we need to be very intentional about raising them with that vision in mind. Remembering that there is a battle for our sons that are going on. And the enemy wants to defeat our sons and lead them away. Uh, we need to be on alert. We need to pray. We need to really seek the Lord in giving us that wisdom on what our sons need and how to how to transfer that to our sons. Um, I, I feel, we've, we've talked about Chap a couple times. One of the things in his book that was really helpful for me in a fresh way is how do we pass a baton of faith to our children? I've always used that analogy with my kids. Um, of, I'm wanting to pass this baton of faith on to you. And I want you to be able to pick it, and grab it, and run with it in a, in a healthy way. But he presented it that we're not doing this on a track that is a nice, simple track and field experience that everyone's in the stands clapping and cheering us on. We're doing this on, in a war zone where people are taking pot shots at our kids and pot shots at us. They want to destroy our kids' faith and our faith. And we need to be aware that this is the environment that we're trying to transfer or pass on our faith to our sons and our daughters but our sons we're talking about mainly today. And I think that if parents do not stay consciously aware that there is a battle going on for our sons, uh, we're not going to be having the greatest victory because we're going to be taken down sometimes. And so I think we need to recognize there's a real battle here and that we need to be intentional. We need to know why we're wanting to teach our sons what we're teaching them. And I think that a lot of times having other family or members, uh, men in our lives that are speaking into our lives, but also into our sons' lives is helpful here as well. So I think that those are all things that play into this, if I can say that. But know what you're aiming for and be intentional about going for it. That's good. That's, yeah, hopefully clear. And, and how can parents also equip them to sacrificially spiritually lead in a household of their own one day? And I know you're seeing that uh, in some of your sons now, or all of your sons uh, are married, new kids, right? Three of my sons are married. Okay. And two of them are in, one of them is in seminary right now, and another one is in university. Um, so the three of them are married and are doing this and doing good jobs at it, and I'm grateful to the Lord for that. Um, I think the first thing is that it's modeled well in the home. We have to be living it as living examples Monday through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, not just be Sunday parents that are intentional on Sunday in this area. We need to model it every day of the week. I think we need to have time for our sons. I think dads are so busy today. And they are so active in so many things that they don't have the time that they need to give to their sons. We need to have time for them, do things with them. I think we need to speak, uh, we need to make sure they're speaking properly to their, to our wives, to their mom. 
um, at all times. If they don't show any, if they show, I should say, any disrespect uh, for their mo mother or they raise their voices at, at their mother, I as a dad must correct them and know that this is, and they need to know that this is never, ever acceptable uh, because a man doesn't treat a woman this way. And so I think that modeling and, and demonstration and and living it out in the home and standing firm with those truths, our, our boys need to see that from me first and they need to see it lived out. Mm. That's good. So just to follow up to that, when you see that disrespect, you talked about correcting them. What kind of, uh, I'm just going to assume, and because you have five boys and, and 10 kids, uh, you don't have to name names, but I'm assume some child at some point was disrespectful. Um, what kind of consequences did you implement? Depending on the age of the child at the time, uh, would be, would all play into it. There are many uh, discipline opportunities or discipline tools in our toolbox. Um, so if they're really young, I think um, it might be a form of corporal punishment that takes place and uh, might be washing your mouth out with some soap. Um, it might be um, because the, the tongue was used in an improper way. Um, it might be that they need to uh, go up into the room and, and write uh, an apology to their mom and, and uh, give dad the apology letter first for approval. It might mean that they have to, uh, with that apology letter, buy their mom some flowers um, or do something out of their own pocketbook that it affects them um, that says, I am sorry and I'm, I'm paying for it and I want to make, make this right. Uh, with them. So I think there's a, a number of ways that we can do it, and it's pretty much age dependent. But I think, again, the modeling of it is important. I, I said to my kids when they were early on, uh, and this I might get myself into trouble for, I said to my kids early, if you ever see your dad raise his voice at your mother, I give you the right to give me a spanking. And, um, <laughs> And I, I told my kids that early, early in their life. Well, when my second born was about 21 years old, he heard my wife and I in a discussion. And he came in and he said, Dad, you're raising your voice at mom. And you said that if you ever raise your voice, I can give you a spanking. And I said, <laughs> I did, but I, didn't, I wasn't raising my voice at mom. And... Uh, and so we had a little back and forth. I said, okay, if you think I was disrespectful to mom and I was raising my voice, then you can give me a spanking. And I have never received a spanking more hard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know if it was this aggressive uh, stuff that he had been holding on to for years. It gave him the right to give it to dad. <laughs> but I took it, you know. And then I just <laughs> then I said that that rule no longer applies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that may be the funniest thing I think we've ever heard on this this podcast. <laughs> but that's I, I I appreciate that just giving some of the um, the particulars about how it played out in your family. Um, and again, that 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 was the context of your family, like said, age dependent. Right. So, uh, Ron, how? How can boys grow into godly men 
when their dad is either lost or just not in the picture? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I think, first of all, we need to uh, – I would, I would look at that question in another set of words. I'd say, where does this leave the single parent or the parent with an unbelieving spouse? And I, and I, first of all, would say I think it leaves them in the same place that every parent is in, depending on the grace of God. We have to be dependent on God's grace in raising our sons. As a two-parent family, it's a challenge. As a single parent, it's a challenge, and they have to be dependent. I think two hope-giving convictions for single parents is God compensates for our limitations, and He exalts His strength in our weakness. And I would just want to encourage parents to remember that God is able to provide far more abundantly than all that parent can ask or think in Ephesians 3.20. Um, and I would, I would encourage that parent to say, what are some things that you can expose your son to where he would get some, some fatherly instruction? I think of Timothy, his father wasn't a believer as far as we can tell from scripture never spiritually led him he learned from his mother and his grandmother yeah. and uh, and then paul became his spiritual father i think there's biblical evidence that you know it's a, we can turn out okay even with dire circumstances around us and so one of the things that we did regularly with father-son activities with a few other dads and their sons. Um, but this way, our sons were actively involved with other men that had similar convictions to, to ours. And one of these men ended up becoming uh, one of my son's father-in-law. Um, he was part of building into the life of our son when he was around 10 years old and up through his teenage years. And, and his daughter ended up marrying our son. And so uh, I think Having godly examples and people around you as a single parent is a, is needed. You, you need to be able to realize you can't do it all. It, it's a difficult role. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, and now what role does the church have in raising boys into godly men? I know you've talked a lot about uh, really the role of the parents, and, and I think rightfully as we, we hold the parents as the primary disciples, but what role does the church have in this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And again, I'm going to make reference to another thing that I just heard Chaps speak at our conference that we had him at here at the church last weekend. Um, in youth ministry, we often find that youth leaders say, you know, we want to have a mentor for every five of our students that we have in our youth ministry so that they can help to disciple and train young men and young women. And I I like it when youth ministries recognizes young having men mentors and women mentors, and they separate them into groups of young men and young ladies, and they're speaking into the lives of those students as as adults and and with teaching that's coming from scripture. I think that's important. Uh, Chap put it that he feels that we should have five mentors for every one of our children. And uh, I heard that on Saturday and I thought that is so true and so good that our children need adults who are speaking into their lives, 
that are cultivating good relationships with them. And I believe that these significant others should be from the family of God, the church. And so I, that's where I would say um, I think the church has a vital role, and it's extremely important. The church has a responsibility to disciple. And uh, I think that our children are part of that discipleship model that needs to be taking place. That's good. So, excuse me, um, how can a children's ministry alongside the parents help guide boys to pursue becoming a godly man? Because we talked about, especially as they age in youth ministry, developing into young men and young women, but when they're still children, but we know that there are distinctions. Yes. Well, I believe that's critical that in children's ministry, that children's ministry leaders go hard after having men in the ministry in ministering to our children. Um, I think as parents, we should be partnering with the Sunday school teachers that are ministering to our kids, and we have them over to our home for meals and getting to know them, uh, supporting them, whether it be uh, leaders in the Awana program or Christian Service Brigade or other ministries that the church might have, that our kids are having connections with other adults. I think we as parents need to be connecting with those adults that are involved with our kids, and we're getting uh, to know them, and we're having them over, and our kids know that we're having good communication with them as well, and uh, that there's involvement there. But I think that a good children's ministry has an equal number of men working in it as they do women working in it. Um, I think that's so important for our, our young boys to see men uh, speaking the, the biblical truths, not just from the pulpit. Unfortunately, many of our churches don't even have kids in the church service. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but um, I think that in the Sunday school ministry, you've got to have a lot of men who are committed to the children of the church. And so I, I think that's one of the key ways children's ministry can come along parents is to make sure that they don't just have women teaching our sons, but that's mostly men. That's helpful. So yeah, and your, your church actually does have a high number of uh, men volunteers or leaders in your ministry, correct? In our children's ministry, when I was running the ministry specifically uh, from grades SK up to grade six, um, it was always 50-50, um, the same number of men as women in, in the program. In our preschool Tykes program, it's a little harder. There are churches that do it, and I applaud them with both hands, but um, it's a little <laughs> harder to get men down on their knees at the two-year-old level. But... Um, I, I think that we need to get our grandparents more involved in the Sunday school program and ministry as well and being a, a part of teaching their children and their children's children in that they don't start taking the time off and from up here decide to spend four months, all the winter months in Florida because they want to get away. I think it's investing into the next generation's is so important for our grandparents to be doing as well. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's very good. I do understand the temptation to head down to Florida <laughs> during the cold winter <laughs> I, months up there. I understand the temptation. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, I'm sure you especially do being from California. I do. I would rather go to California than Florida. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. Now, uh, I work more with youth ministries now uh, than children's area. And I want to ask, how do you think uh, youth ministries can help propel boys into real manhood? Well, I think that there needs to be regular teaching on biblical manhood and womanhood. Mm. Truth 78, as you know, I'm a part of the board there. Mm. They have some excellent curriculum available on this subject called Rejoicing in God's Design. I think every youth ministry should be teaching that at least uh, every other year, if not annually. Um, I think it needs to be modeled in the youth group that men are leaders. And I think that to have mentor leaders that are standing up and and being, one, they're being oftentimes mentors or young adults and guys in their mid-20s. I think making sure there's teaching into their life on what a man is so that they can be teaching into the the youth's lives what a man is. A lot of our our young men don't have that teaching. They haven't had that teaching um, for a while. And so uh, a lot of men... You ask, you ask a lot of these guys in their 20s, when did you become a man? And a fair number of them will say, I don't know if I am a man yet. Um, they don't know when they became, when they left boyhood into manhood and or young manhood. You know, they're an adult, but yeah. they're not a man. And so I think they need to be taught what is a man and how to model that. So having solid mentor leaders who are being trained to lead with clear biblical understanding of biblical manhood and womanhood. Um, and like I said, especially in our day and age, when there's so much confusion and so much being tossed out the foundation of trying to destroy this thought from transgenderism, homosexuality, the whole nine yards is all out there. And uh, they're being, our kids are being thrown this every day. This is, a ba- this is part of the battlefield uh, that we're on. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's helpful. And I appreciate how you, throughout you have scattered some references to different resources that people might find helpful in those topics. And perhaps given uh, us future interview ideas. Yes. <laughs> so does any of this, the, the the approach that you're talking about, the big division and, and these practical steps, does any of it guarantee that boys will become godly men? And what hope can you give for faithful parents with sons that that walk away from the church, walk away from Christ? Okay. Uh, First of all, does any of this guarantee boys will become godly men? No. We are not given a guarantee. We have godly parents who have rebellious children, and we have ungodly parents who have children who, who come to a genuine faith and live out that faith. But we are called as parents to be faithful in our instruction and training, and God uses the influence of the family to oftentimes draw our children to himself. So I would say, be faithful, be intentional. We're not given guarantees. Um, And for the parent that has a child that has fallen away or walked away from the faith altogether, I would recommend that they get a copy of uh, Rob Reno's book called When They Turn Away. Um, He gives parents a message of hope in a time of great heartache 
for most parents who are there. And I think that parents need to not lose hope and they need to recognize that their prayers still matter and that whether their child is is out of town and out of the picture altogether, their prayers are never um, unheard by a God that cares and understands and has been there. So I, I love his material, but that particular book and uh, for this specific need of a parent that has a child that's fallen away, I would highly recommend that to them and to be to gain hope back. Um, don't lose hope. There is always hope. And, yeah. um, and then we're not giving guarantees, but God often uses the faithful, intentional parent and seeing our children come to faith. Mm. So, thank you. That's my thoughts. That's helpful. Mm. Now, I have to say, I am glad that I've been uh, listening to your thoughts uh, while having a pen and a paper out. Uh, and I think maybe some of the podcast listeners uh, that have heard some of these resources may want to listen to it again uh, with a pen and paper out uh, to write some of these. I was things scribbling out. a lot of notes too. <laughs> yeah, more so than normal. Well, I, I pray that it will be beneficial and useful and that God will take it and take out whatever shouldn't have been said can be taken away. And those things that are helpful can be remembered and useful. And so the last question that we have for you, though, uh, is how can listeners learn more about raising future men and how can they follow your ministry? Following my ministry, I'm I'm involved in a church called Metropolitan Bible Church in Ottawa. It's also called the Met, and they can find me on my, our website. And if they want to write or ask questions, they can feel free to do so. Uh, my wife and I used to write a blog. We're not writing one right now. Um, time has just not permitted us to continue that road for right now. Hopefully, Lord willing, we can get back to it. But on this particular subject, I would highly recommend uh, Robert Lewis's site, Raising a Modern Day Knight, or Robert Lewis, look him up and, and find the right Robert Lewis. There's a few different Robert Lewis's out there, but the Robert Lewis that wrote this book, he has a website, and I would say they could find some really excellent resources there that can encourage them specifically in the area of raising a godly uh, son That's or sons. Wonderful. Well, we are so grateful that you were able to come on and talk with us about this topic. Uh, I think is a great encouragement to any listeners. Uh, and I just appreciate you giving us your time for this, for this discussion. And we hope it's a help to other people as well. Yes, Thank we you. enjoyed it a lot, Ron. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you guys and the ministry you have. Thanks. So keep it, keep up the good work. Thank you. God bless, brother. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.